I'm Jamie. Welcome to Driver Picks the Podcast, where I pick the podcast and I shout my cake home. <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about the 13th episode of season two of Supernatural called Houses of the Holy. Jamie, what did you think? You ask me this every week. Yeah, it's the point of the podcast. <laughs> what if I don't like it anymore? <laughs> That's also kind of the point of the podcast. <laughs> That's pretty on brand. Okay, let's start at the beginning of the episode this week, shall we? Fantastic place to begin, yeah. It will probably get derailed from there, but like... Sounds good. Look, it's a plan. Whether we stick to it or not, I'm doubtful, <laughs> but... Look, we'll see where we end up. It's fine. Before the opening credits... Okay. The lady in the first scenes look iconic. I... Mid-2000s, yeah. like, the, like the titties out, yeah, the bra yeah, showing, yeah. the short denim skirt, like... Oh, iconic right and do you know actually i had this is completely irrelevant okay look we, we stayed on point for 30 seconds not new even record. new record <laughs> um i wanted to talk about that scene because i love the cigarette smoke like just as a visual i really loved it because okay so obviously i'm assuming if you're listening to this you have seen the episode if you haven't spoilers obviously but you know if you haven't go back and look at this scene because it's literally the first 30 seconds. It's you don't the, have to yeah, search yeah. for it. It's not the, buried in the episode. The It's the intro. And so it's this woman, and you don't really know anything about her. And she's in this sort of looking, like, derelict-looking apartment. She's lying on the couch. She clearly looks like she's fucking done. You know, she's had a long day. She's had a long, long day. And so she's smoking, and she's watching the TV, and she kind of goes, ugh, I don't care whatever's on. And she switches the channel and goes to one of those evangelical, like, preachy-type... Mm. TV preacher people. I don't really know. We don't really have them. Televangelists. That's the word. Generally what they're known as. That's the word. Thank you. Anyway, it switches to one of these and it's this, you know, this scene where he's preaching and it's like inherently horrific, like in context, like what he's saying combined with what she's experiencing. And it's very, it's, I think personally, it's very well done, but obviously there's like this religious angelic like play and through the episode, the, quote-unquote monster they think or sam really heavily thinks could be an angel like a like god above angel and so they're kind of playing it as this is an angel coming and speaking to her but what i found really interesting is that the cigarette smoke is such a fun visual element of the scene given the context of like the demons in the show quote-unquote like smoking in and out of people and like i just thought like the combination of like the religious speech and like the imagery of like the white light and stuff combined with like the smoke and I just I thought it was really fun especially like just the contrast between the concept of what smoke kind of symbolizes in the show and also like the religious imagery of like the preacher and she had I think angel statues around and then obviously the the blinding light of the angel itself I just I thought it was really cool also just the um the juxtaposition between her being in almost complete darkness to yeah absolute blinding light yeah it's just like <laughs> it's just like shadow and <laughs> they finally found the lighting budget they used it for one episode we won't see it again this season yeah <laughs> the lighting department's like that's it boys let's pack it up actually what we've done our one episode for the season yeah and, and moving out do you know what it's almost about a season later too because uh that was what episode 16 of season yes one? so we're now at episode 13 so it's just under a season later <laughs> They were like, oh yeah, here are the lights. We found them in that dusty box. Whoops, we lost them. Uh, moving on. <laughs> moving on, yeah. Uh, but yes, no, I. you're right. She was an icon. <laughs> Bringing it back to where you were. Uh, she was truly a fashion forward woman. <laughs> it was a look. It was a look. Okay, moving on. From that, we then cut to her in the asylum. Sam yes. is talking to her in the asylum. Yes. Kind of uneventful. We learn she stabbed a dude. Yeah. Moving along. Dean is on the vibrating bed. Yeah. And Sam's like, oh, that's weird. It's like, he's fucking stuck in a hotel room, mate. Yeah. Let him enjoy himself. Yeah. No, I 100% agree with you. Honestly, I think, like, Dean being, throughout this whole episode as well, not just in this scene, but Dean being so desperate for enrichment in his enclosure, like, (laughs) it's so much more relatable, like, now that we're in a pandemic and we're all just stuck in our fucking houses, like, remembering the days where we could just walk to the park for shits and giggles and not, like, a mandated one hour of exercise a day. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's it's just so funny. And, like, 
I love Sam being like, you're like one of those lab rats that pushes the pleasure button instead of the food button until it dies. <laughs> I was like, fuck all right, Sam, come for his life. Like, damn. He is an adult human being who knows how to, like, balance his needs. But, like, <laughs> also, like, compare him to a lab rat, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely comparable. A hundred percent. No no alteration needed there. Like Yeah. But no, I do love that he's stuck in the hotel. And I love that it's because of the continuity of him still being on the run from the FBI. A point that I think I brought up maybe in the last episode or the earlier seasons. They're very good with continuity, like, between I know for episodes. a fact you brought it up in Night Shifter. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Because you every time there is something that has consequences later down the line, you're like, oh, see, this is a brilliant thing with the continuity that's yeah. going to come up later. And I'm like, okay. Um, but yes. You do that. No, I just thought it was like... A nice reminder that, yeah, there's he's stuck in the hotel and there's a reason why he's stuck in the hotel and, yeah. While we're talking about the hotel, yes. I want to talk to you about my least favourite thing I've ever seen in this show. Your least favourite yeah. thing? That's it's words. It's definitive proof that Sam's an idiot. Okay. He washes his hands in the sink and he leaves his sea leaves down. He's just asking to get a weird <laughs> wet cuff around his sleeves. But he's like... No, nope, I'm going to wash my hands with my sleeves down. Like, you're a fucking idiot, mate. Dean was in control of both brain cells in that moment, yeah. <laughs> I thought you were going to, like, <laughs> I thought that was going to be about, like, set design or, like, the fucking lighting or, like, anything other than what it actually was. They're doing Sam's character a disservice by making him stupid as fuck. <laughs> Who washes their hands with their sleeves down? That's just asking you to get water oh, on the... So funny. Actually, especially considering in this episode, like, they make another point of uh, Sam being quite, like, good with technology, like, hacking into that one guy's uh, computer. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, the that's... guy who was going to meet the 13-year-old. Yeah. Haha, <laughs> big yikes. Big yikes. Um, again, not giving them credit for such an icy cold take on what it is to be a bad person. Like, this is not news. They were like, what can we have these people do so that their deaths are justified, justified. in the eyes of this preacher? It's like, okay, we're going to make... One a rapist. Yeah. One a murderer. And yeah. one a pedophile. Wow. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Dean's absolute rejection of angels. I know. I know. The yep. entire They're episode. definitely not real. Never. Not, no angels. Yeah. Not at all. Not, we've never seen them with our own eyes. This this yeah. is like Dean's entire thesis statement I at this point. Know. Like, it doesn't exist if I haven't seen it with my own two eyes. Um, I actually like was watching it and I was like, oh, this is the same argument they had in faith like almost word for word yeah was hitting some like very specific and i was surprised because i don't i've never really noticed again faith was co-written with sarah gamble so she wrote both episodes so that's worth noting so at least her characterization of dean is consistent consistent but (laughs) what i thought was interesting so like it, it is almost the same conversation that they have again I've never picked up on this because I don't think I've ever watched these episodes as close together. Like, I would have the first time I, like, binge-watched it. But the first time I was watching the show, I wasn't stopping to, like, critique, like, the... <laughs> it's one thing to just, like, casually rewatch a show. And it's another thing, which is what I'm finding now, like, watching this show... With intent. With intent to analyse it. Like... Yeah. You watch a TV show, whether you watch it all in one day or you watch it spread out... Because we are taking the time after each episode to then discuss the episode. At length. <laughs> at length. And we are actually putting in thought and that I'm watching more closely for like little moments like this. Whereas yeah. normally like when I'm just watching it, it's sort of like you analyze it at a surface level. Oh yeah, absolutely. But because we are doing it sort of like week by week, yeah. but then we're extensively engaging yeah. <laughs> with the content between the episodes. Yeah. It's a whole other thing. There are so many things that I'm noticing that I know that if I just watched the show... You never would have picked. I never would have picked up. But yeah. because we're watching it with the intent to discuss it, I actually have to come to these recording sessions yeah. prepared to discuss <laughs> Supernatural. Yeah. I have to pay attention to the little things like that. I have to pay attention to the characterization and get like an actual idea of who these characters are so yeah. that when you ask me what I think their motivations are and when you ask me what... I think they're going to do with these characters. I have an answer for you. Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't really have an answer for you, but like... You have an attempt. <laughs> I have an attempt of an answer for you. Yeah. You know, like I... I will just point out, I do appreciate the effort you put in. <laughs> like, it is it is appreciated. <laughs> Please know that. Yes. You just wish that it brings something other than the lighting up. <laughs> 
I wanted to quickly touch on about again with like Dean straight up not believing in anything like religious. He's like, oh, no, the no, irony. no. I love he like specifically says like, oh yeah, she believed she was touched by an angel. And it's like, oh Dean, baby sweetie, you have no idea. And uh, Sam actually then makes an excellent point, which is something new that he didn't mention from my memory. He didn't bring it up in faith. He says that there is like ten times more law about angels and like the existence of divine you know intervention than basically anything else that they hunt and considering that they like seemingly never believe in anything that they come across like this is a common theme that we've brought up multiple times it's a running joke at this point yeah it's like oh here's a monster we don't believe in until it's trying to actively murder us and then suddenly it must be real considering that's the stance they've taken like Sam is actually kind of, like, out of the norm for his char- like their characterization at this point. Yeah. And Dean is, like, actually pretty... It's, it's different because they're talking about religion, which obviously is separate to, like, the usual monster of the yeah. week. But I just found it really funny, like... Because, yeah, that is usually their stance. And Dean seems to be taking it as a, you know, just like any other supernatural thing. If I haven't seen it, I don't believe it. Where Sam has this more open-minded approach to the concept of religion and a higher power and he sees it as separate to the supernatural i also think it's really funny that they've gone like complete opposite directions dean's like i don't believe in anything unless i've seen it with my own two eyes yeah and sam is like no i wholeheartedly believe that angels are real like there's no chance they're not real like angels are real like he's going so hard in the other direction yeah dean's like angels are not real then like there is no way i would have seen them by now like yeah exactly or someone would have seen something and Actually, it's really interesting. We learn in this episode that Sam does have faith and Sam prays. And that's actually something of his personal belief system and his personhood that we as the audience are only just learning, that Dean as his sibling is only just learning. You know, it's clearly something that Sam's never brought up. And to be fair, given Dean's opinions, why would he? But yeah, it's definitely a very interesting look into Sam this episode, actually. Just the fact that he's a monster who washes his hands with his sleeves. <laughs> this second half of the second season, very Sam heavy, which is actually honestly. Is it because they realised that Sam's actually like the driving force behind the main plot? Yeah, it's like they remembered that he's supposed to be like the, the main character. one in this plot line. Yeah. Like, he is the one who is being targeted by the demon. Like, yeah. they have to remember to like yeah. <laughs> actually. <laughs> to give him like lines. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, also, I just want to quickly touch on the fact that Sam sounds so genuinely upset that there's no unicorns. And, like, bless his little soul. Did you did you see that? I thought that was, like, a joke. I thought they both knew that oh, unicorns weren't real. And Sam was, like, <laughs> joking about... I know, but he sounds like, unicorns aren't real? And he, like, sits down. <laughs> it's so funny. Like... Please Honestly, tell me there's an episode that proves that unicorns are real. Well, you will just have to wait and see. Jamie, I will neither confirm nor deny. I just I wanna see that. Well, you'll have to just wait. I don't don't waggle your eyebrows at me, ma'am, madam. Don't no. What is this gesture? No one can see you. <laughs> Give me the facts. No. <laughs> you'll have to wait and find out. It's like the whole point. Okay. While we're talking about Sam. Yes. Just how desperate his faith is. Yeah. He so desperately wants to believe in some higher power, in some plan that makes all of this make sense. Yeah. Holy shit. Because, like, we've touched on it previously Mm -hmm. about Sam, but this episode just really, like, it slaps you in the face with it. Like, it, it goes from being these, like, subtle undercurrents of him always wanting to find, like, a meaning, him always wanting to find a reason behind everything to, like, he is so clearly so desperate for this to be the answer to everything. Yeah. He just wants his life to make sense because nothing in his life has made sense to this point. Yeah. Like, his mother died when he was a baby. He was raised by his brother because his father was... Useless, yes. (laughs) Not a father at all, really. Not a present parent. He then, like... You know, like... Loses Jess. He, and... he then gets out of all of the craziness because, like, on top of all this, like, he doesn't get a normal child. It's not like he was just, like, an average neglected child. Yeah. Oh, no! He, <laughs> he was, was a neglected child 2.0. 2.0 in which he's a neglected child because his father's so fixated on revenge. Yeah. But then he finally gets out of the life and he finds himself 
a normal life, a normal family. Like, he was starting to build a family with Jess. He wanted to propose. Yeah. Like, he is... He saw his life with her, with his career, with his education. Yeah. He is out of life. He, he managed to get... Like, he pulled himself together enough to get himself a full-ride scholarship to Stanford. Yeah. Which, like, you have to believe there's something that's going to finally make all of this suffering worthwhile for you. Mm -hmm. And then it's all ripped away by his dad going missing. After all that, they finally look like they've got a chance to kill whatever it is that killed their mother. And Jess, yeah. And Jess. And then he loses. And then his father dies. Like, he... He has been through so much at this point. Yeah. He just wants anything to make it make sense. Yeah. And he's so desperate for that thing to be God's plan, to be a higher power, yeah. to be God's will, yeah. that he is willing to believe that an angel is telling people to murder people, yeah. to stop them from doing bad things. I think desperate is the right term and it comes back even... Sorry, like, I went on a ca- character no, analysis tangent. I, I loved it. <laughs> I, I'm so excited that we're now at a point in the series where Sam's, like, you know how the first sort of season, like, it was just like Dean, 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 and Sam was just kind of there? Yeah. It's still, we still get a lot about Dean, but at this point, like you said, like, they just, the, the floodgates open and you're just like whacked full in the face with like so much information about Sam. It gives you so much context. It makes you really look at his character as more of a 3D model with depth rather than this like random, like, 2D image that has kind of been pasted in next to Dean for a lot of the series thus far, you know, where we're getting given a lot about Dean's personality. We're given a lot about his opinions, but Sam, we get some. Sam's a bit of a blank slate. Like, you can put whatever you want on him and it it will stick, but it's like... And you mentioned before, like, it's not that he's not a well-fleshed out character. It's just that Dean has so much more. Like, they just give him so much more context. He looks bad by comparison. That Sam looks empty by comparison, yeah. Do you remember, I've brought it up I think a couple of times, but I think the first time was actually in Faith as well, talking about Sam having this idea of like like purity and like liking the idea that, you know, he can be saved, he can be pure. This is kind of where that comes into play a bit more. And, you know, he's saying, you know, uh, you know, I need to think that I can be saved. I need to think that there is hope for me. It really links in with, like, the biblical version of, like, good and evil as well. It really does. very, like, black and white, like, things are good or bad and you have to, like, be one or the other. You can't be a little bit of both. Exactly. And even, um, oh, what was the name of the... Which is also why he goes, like, so full in of, like, it's an angel, like, I saw it, it's an angel. Because he needs that He's so desperate. desperate for that to be true, for that to be correct, for this to be something that he can do. To gain redemption. Yeah. He is so desperate for it to be an actual angel, which I find really funny because I do know when they bring actual angels into it, the angel they interact with most often is obsessed with Dean. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Straight up. Like, I'm pretty sure there's a plot line that I've heard of where he, like, accidentally forgets Sam's soul or some shit. (laughs) (laughs) That's more of a fandom joke, but you're not entirely wrong, so (laughs) I'll let you find out. (laughs) From context I've gotten, there's that sort of dynamic of, like, if Dean calls, Cass answers in the first ring. If Sam calls, Cass will let her go to answering bank. And yeah. then just like maybe a year later, <laughs> we'll like send a finally... text like you okay. <laughs> or you like, know? Yeah. So I find it really funny that in this episode he is so fixated on like yeah. it has to be real, it has to be an angel, like yeah. like the angel chose me for the redemption, the angel chose me to fix yeah. this. And especially like specifically the word redemption, I really want to touch on that before. I do have something to add on to your point about them having this really opposite like opinions and like how it's funny how it sort of seems to be the inverse of what ends up happening later in the series because look i'm just aiming for a good grade in character analysis (laughs) you're doing great i'm so proud of you like you're doing great sweetie yes exactly (laughs) so i wanted to mention that specifically the father i think is it father thomas who's passed away who is sort of masquerading as the angel father like graham yeah because there's the two and i can't remember which one is which whoever i think it started with a g like I the think guy maybe who died the first her... name is Graham. Okay. Maybe it's maybe Gregory. Maybe two first names. Gregory. Gregory sounds more familiar. Yeah. I knew it started with Gregory. G. You're right. Yes. So I think he specifically says to Sam, like, they're having the conversation about, like, you know, they need to, like, redeem themselves and stuff. And he looks to Sam and he says, some people need redemption. 
don't they, Sam? And like, he just like sees straight into Sam's soul in that moment. And he knows, like, he knows that that is, like you said, what Sam so desperately wants. Like, he wants to know, I am a good person. I am making good choices. I am not going to be what my father feared I would be. I'm not going to be what I fear I'm going to be. It's this horrible... It's one of those um, tricky things where it's like when you're told the future and it's like every decision you make to avoid that future just brings you to that like yeah. future anyway because it's time is not a like, It's like linear. the tale of Oedipus. Yes, exactly. There is no way you can escape it. That's not how it works. And so, he, yeah, he's just like desperately clutching at straws trying to find a way that he can feel I am a good person and... It's, what's it called when, um, it's a psychological term, where your reality does not match with your, like... Cognitive dissonance. Cognitive dissonance, thank you. It's just, like, cognitive dissonance. He has this idea... my degree something other than placement. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like he's got this idea of himself that he can't reconcile with his external self, you know? Yeah. And it's, yeah, this struggle that he has. And you're right, in this episode, he is just so desperate to find that meaning for himself and to find that redemption. I think it's it's very fascinating for his character and especially, you know, like him being sort of manipulated into thinking that what he's doing is divine. Especially because at this point, like as far as I can tell, he's like 90% certain that he was selected for something demonic. Like yeah. he, he knows that they're trying to essentially drag him into hell. Like, yeah. he knows that they are trying... Like, at this point, he is relatively certain that the reason they're doing this to him and his destiny is to be evil. Yeah. And to be, like, in hell versus in heaven. So, like, he is so desperate to, like, get away from that, that he's, like, trying to claw and he's... He's running just the complete opposite direction. He's grasping at anything he possibly can to, to try and avoid that. Exactly. There's actually a really interesting quote. Um, I think somewhere in the episode he says something to the... Uh, I think sometime in the episode he essentially says the equivalent of, look, someone's going to do something bad and I can stop it. I can stop it. I can stop that bad thing from happening. And if I can do that, there's the implication that if he can stop that bad thing from happening, it makes him a better person. So like it's like a trade-off kind of thing. And... This is a very recurring theme for Sam and I would suggest you keep it in mind because it, this idea of like, I have the ability to stop this bad thing from happening, so I have to. If I save enough people, yeah, I cannot be evil. It's like that thing of like, if I do enough good things, I can't be bad. Yeah. Like his self-worth and his value as a human being is designed by the amount of good he can do. Yes, that you've honestly you've nailed like hit the nail on the head with that. It's so true. Like he's he puts so much of his self worth in his into his actions, and it's to combat this fear that he has that he's somehow corrupt and innately so. Yeah, and he's like, I know, you know, I will become evil. You know, Dad warned you. I will. Uh, you you might have to kill me, Dean. Promise me you'll kill me because I'm you know. Watch out for me. I'm a danger. But I'm also going to throw a hissy spit at the even the implication that you may kill me. Yeah. <laughs> despite the fact that you have demonstrated multiple times before that even if I'm evil, I'm you're not going to kill me. Like Yeah. Anyway, it's definitely it's definitely an interesting exploration of Sam as a character, and I would suggest you like try and like keep it in mind, especially going forward with the plot. It's going to be for him like a recurring thing that he struggles with, and it's fascinating to watch it evolve. And sort of see how it impacts. And even like going forward into later seasons, this idea that he wants to save everyone, even if it seems like maybe it's hopeless endeavor. Okay, I think we should move on. <laughs> so I think that was fantastic because I think we really truly shared the brain cell just then. Yeah. Um, I do really very quickly. I'm sorry, I realize I've just gone on a big long tangent. But on. Hey, look, it's a bit different. It was about Sam this time. I know. Oh, I do love Sam as a character. I think he's fantastic but I very very quickly wanted to touch on you mentioned how you thought it was funny that they seem to be doing this like Dean's like no God isn't real angels are stupid kind of thing and Sam's like no like you know they're definitely real there's so much more about them they're so real um I love them yeah yeah I talked to them even. Best friend. <laughs> yeah 
I want to talk about this scene in the least spoilery way possible, in the vaguest sense. I feel like I'm going to hate this, but continue. Okay. For those of you who have never seen Supernatural beyond this point, you can choose whether or not you want to listen to the next 30 seconds. I'm going to try and make it vague and spoiler-free enough that Jamie doesn't know what I'm talking about. For those of you who do know what I'm talking about, hopefully it's not vague enough that you don't know what I'm talking about. So, like, let's wait and see how successful she is. Yeah. Send me an ask on Tumblr if you're confused. Essentially, there is a scene in the church when Sam and Dean are first speaking with Father... I forget his name. But he asked them, like, where they were from and, like, you know, oh, you're looking to join the congregation, that guy. Yeah. The still alive priest. The still alive priest. That's a good distinction, yes. (laughs) Sam asks a question and he gestures in a certain direction. That is the vaguest way I can think to describe it. Oh, when he's asking about the painting? Which painting? Of the angels. Yes. And he's doing the investigation thing. Yes, yes. Um, So in I remember that scene. Yes. Um, No spoilery bits there. Fantastic. If you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about, and you understand why that is hilarious. If you don't know what I'm talking about, come back in a few seasons, you'll understand why that shot is hilarious. And you'll finally get the joke. You, yeah. <laughs> we'll come back. We'll, I'll, we'll, I'll walk you back through once we get to the relevant season. And well, I'll say, remember this scene? If I you don't understand, really just funny. know you're not alone. We're in this together. <laughs> it's quite genuinely, it is shocking. Talking about the boys, like Sam and Dean, and their um, opinions of faith and where they sit, you know, and even actually, like, Dean mentions that... I actually have an idea of what you're talking about, but I, I don't think it's correct, and I think it would be very spoilery if it is correct, so I'm probably not going to say it. <laughs> okay. Also, I have a feeling I know what you're talking about, just because I've heard... Because there's a picture of Michael, and I've heard the name Michael in a attached okay. to Supernatural, so I have a feeling I know vaguely what it's about. And what I'd like to say to that is, at this point, Kripke was still not going to have angels... So if Michael becomes a character in Supernatural later down the line, it's insane that this is in season two and angels are not going to be a thing in Supernatural. The point I was just going to make, and I'm not going to give you any like indication of if you're correct or not in that, just spoilery, yeah. yes or no, you know, that's, you know that angels come into it, so that is actually plot relevant, so I'm not going to yeah. go into it. But the point I was going to make is that it is astounding that at this point they were not considering bringing religion into it. Because once we get to those later seasons of the Kripke era, you're going to see this and you're going to go, how was this unintentional? There's so much foreshadowing for this. It seems completely implausible that this is not the direction they always intended to go Oh, so this is a similar, like along a similar vein to like, God is watching you, Dean. Yes. So Sarah Gamble. (laughs) Sarah Gamble. (laughs) So what I'm getting from this is like, Sarah Gamble is a prophet. She knew the future of Supernatural before Supernatural knew the future of Supernatural. She was like, I know what's going to happen down the line. I'm going to pepper in some Easter eggs into my episodes about God and religion and (laughs) angels, and then they're all going to come true. Oh, I can't wait to get to the seasons that she was showrunner for because, oh, there are some conversations around specifically Cass in those seasons that we are going to have. Anyway, yes, like, it's, it's insane. That this was but not intentional. This is like an addendum to that conversation. Yes, yes. Yeah. It is honestly too perfect. It but you're not going to give me the specific context in which Michael appears because that's very spoilery. No, I look. I'm okay. not. I'm not even going to confirm or deny whether or not Michael becomes a character. Yeah. Like it's just enough that like because you know the angels are a char- yeah. are characters. I'm not going to indicate which ones because. Yeah. But something about that. Painting. Some, One of the angels depicted in that painting are probably going to appear at look, some point. You will. You because it see, wasn't just Michael in that painting. There was like four or five different. Yeah, like it's it's about the scene itself. Yeah. So it's you need to have a certain number of context clues yeah. to understand it, which yeah. is why I hope I was vague enough. Yes. The other, the last thing that I think I want to talk about on this point is we learned that Mary also had faith, and we learn and Sam learns. That actually the last thing that Mary said to Dean was angels are watching over you. Which again. Again. Yeah. Again. It's like, bro. (laughs) 
And it's, what's ridiculous is it feels too on the nose. Like, it feels like they're just being so heavy-handed. It feels like the foreshadowing is like, oh my god, okay, we fucking get it. Angels but are coming. But it's not. But no. It's not. It's completely the unintentional. The only reason we have angels in Supernatural is because of the writer's the strike. The writer's strike. Oh, look at you knowing your history. <laughs> but like, I don't wanna. What an insane accident. What, like, it's just... Sarah Gamble. It really... I swear to God. Because, like, I feel like the only episodes where, like, this were, were like, how is this a coincidence? Like, all of this is, like, foreshadowing later yeah. seasons. But it's only Sarah Gamble. Every time we've said that, we've looked up who the writer is and we're like, <laughs> Sarah, Sarah Gamble. Gamble. So is she just, like, a she's, she's just got her own plot lined up in her head. She doesn't give a shit what Eric wants. <laughs> she's, like, getting ready to take over in season six at this point. She's like, I'm ready. <laughs> I know where I want to take. I'm, yeah. That actually might be. <laughs> Did we just call out Sarah Gamble? <laughs> well, that's... Is this her ulterior motive? Well, it might. Like, I don't, I don't think it was, like, pre-planned. Or but it could have been, like, look, if I ever get the opportunity to take this show where I want to take it, this is where I want to go with it. So even if Angels hadn't appeared in season four, I think you said they appear roughly. Based Towards on the just... Crypt era. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to be too specific, no. but yeah. But... If they appear there, and I know she was, like, what, six and seven she was showrunner? Yeah. So, like, if she was, like, oh, one day, if I ever get an opportunity to take this where I want to take this, maybe she was writing in all these little clues because she <laughs> knew she wanted to introduce Angels as a character. If that is. And she thought maybe one day she might have the opportunity, and so she wanted to have the foundational basis for it. That is To be so able funny. to move on from there. Like, I'm not saying, like, she was like, oh, I'm going to, like, murder Eric Kripke in his sleep <laughs> so I can take his TV show on But, like, you know what I mean? Oh, my goodness. I love that thought. Like, look, it's complete speculation. It's probably yeah. bullshit, but it's hilarious, and so I but, love like, it. The, it's, like, there is actually a genuine chance that she thought maybe one day, like, I'll In case given, I ever get the get opportunity. The opportunity, I might be given the creative freedom one day to be able to do this, whether that was a showrunner or as just, like, a writer. Um, like, did she write the episode that introduces Cass? Like, <laughs> No. No, she did not. Um, Imagine that, though. Then we could pretty well prove it. We could be like, well, we this is why. Because, yeah. like, as soon as they got into an inconvenient spot, she was like, I'm going to introduce angels. Like, that's my solution. <sighs> but no, not an impossibility, but an interesting possibility. Yeah, actually, do you know what? Come to think of it, I remember reading something, like, years back. And so, look, I don't know the validity of this. People, someone correct me if you think I'm wrong. Like, please come send me an ask on Tumblr or, like, Tell Jamie on Twitter, like, send us a link to an article, anything like that. I have a feeling that there was someone in the writer's room who pitched introducing Angels. And that's how we knew Kripke didn't want them in the show because he shot it down. So I wonder if maybe it was actually Sarah Gamble pitching this episode. And And that's why they ended up going with the twist that it was the spirit of the dead priest Priest. and not actually a religious divine intervention but they did leave it open-ended by having the guy die at the end by having having the the pipe driven through his chest because he's still stabbed in the heart but it's like an insane like coincidence coincidence. like Like, it had to be like absolutely like a one in a bazillion chance and like because it could have gone through his shoulder it could have gone through his head it could have gone through his well the fact that it even fell off and bounced and like you know at all let alone the guy who was already targeted by the priest angel dude and to be the point but just the fact that it mimics the exact same way that all the others were murdered as in stabbed through the heart yeah whether it's like a knife or like a piece of and it leading to dean mentioning that you know if i hadn't seen it with my own eyes, like, maybe it was God's Well, yeah, it is, like, it's a bizarre coincidence. Yeah. Maybe this was the episode. And again, I, like, I may be misremembering. I'm thinking I read this, like, maybe over five years ago. So if anyone actually knows, let me know. I'm actually, I would love to know more because I find it incredibly interesting. Mm. So please, if you have any information... Or if you remember the article. Yeah. I mean, I say article. Honestly, probably just Tumblr post. Might have been like an <laughs> interview or something. Yeah. Like you know, some transcript. somewhere along the line, something came out about it. Anyway, going back to the episode, Dean mentions that one of the perks of their job is that they don't have to go on faith. Like, they yeah. can know for sure, like, what's going on. And I just think that's interesting, too, because it's just yet another instance of Dean sort of being like, well, lucky for us... 
we don't have to rely on yeah. assumption. Let's just do an experiment. Like, here's our hypothesis. Let's run the experiment and find the fuck out, you know? It has two ways it could go. Yeah. Either you do the seance and a ghost shows up and it's a ghost. Yeah. Or you do a seance and the ghost doesn't show up because it's not a ghost. Yeah. Doesn't definitively confirm angel, but it rules out ghost, which is the next most likely Likely. thing for it to be. Okay. Yeah. The seance. Getting creative with the supplies. Yeah. Personally, I would have used it Spongebob side up. (laughs) You know, just personal preference. But Spongebob is my god. (laughs) What a weird sentence. Um... (laughs) Okay. <laughs> Definitely <I>, thoughts. <laughs> I want to know, okay, so like, on the seance, I want to know why the fuck they never have a good explanation for why on earth they're doing weird fucking shit in public spaces. Like, that notoriously, they have never had a good fucking excuse for what they're doing ever. And in this episode, Sam's literally like, wait, father, I can explain. Or maybe I can't. And it's like, bro... <laughs> Like, did you not come up with anything at all? You're a professional, Yeah, because sir. the only reason the priest doesn't call the cops on him is because the ghost shows, shows up. up. Yeah. Which, that guy took that very well. Insane. He was just, he just accepted it immediately. He's like, yeah, let's have a discussion about this. I'm going to tell you, you're not an angel. Here's why you're wrong. Here are my sources. <laughs> like, he just took that like a pro. But also, it's like, normally they stop and burn the bones to get rid of a ghost. Yes. The priest just performed last rites. Does that mean that theoretically Sam or Dean could become a priest and then just get rid of ghosts by performing last rites on them? Yeah. I guess. God, that would be so much fucking easier, wouldn't it? I know. You could have that on a voice memo. Yeah. You could just play that on your phone. Yeah. I Like... Per, like, I'm assuming it's because he's a priest that last rites work. So, like, yeah. they couldn't just do it as, like, an ordinary person. But if they got, like, ordained as a minister, could they perform last rites? That is an excellent question. Because also, it Im- like, the imagery suggests that the priest goes to heaven. So, yeah. like, does performing last rites mean that they're more likely to go to heaven versus hell? Yeah, because I also wanted to talk about that. Because it's been heavily implied in every other scene that they're going to hell. And, like, yeah. is salting and burning the bones one of those things that means they go to hell? Like, and would first rites mean that, like, if they were eligible to go to heaven, they would go to heaven versus... Yeah, here's the funny thing about that, and I, I'm really glad that you brought it up because I also wanted to talk about it, is that you're right. In basically every other spirit we've come across, ex- excluding the one from the pilot who had that weird fucking techno melty thing yeah um and hookman who melted as well just about every other ghost that we've seen thus far even the woman white like she had the imagery of like being dragged down yeah and obviously melting the hookman melted downwards Mm -hmm. but you're right the the imagery heavily implies that they're going to hell and you could say that those spirits because they were vengeful had been like had done enough Mm -hmm. bad even in after death that they would then go to hell. So my question is, does the priest qualify for heaven? Because it implies he's going to heaven. Because the implication is absolutely that he goes to heaven. Like the but white also, light and the soft glow and the like sort of evaporation of him rather than like descent. But also like he did do things in his afterlife that should be enough to not let him into heaven. Yeah, exactly. So then for me it's like the the key difference is he was exercised via last rites versus by salting and burning his bones. Yeah, which is an incredible question that I have literally never thought because of. Because he's also not the only ghost of a priest we've seen. Like, so we can't even pin it down of like, oh, he was a holy man, therefore he's... Because Hookman was a holy man. Yeah, you're right. And okay, he was a horrible person in life too, but he was... Like, you can't just say that it was... Because they were a holy man. What's interesting though is like the priest from Hookman and the priest in this episode are comparable because they are both going after more or less indirectly people that they view as immoral um, and needing to be punished. And especially in this episode's case, people who he thinks are more of a threat to others if left alive. But that's also how Hookman viewed... True, a threat to the community. There were a threat to the community, there were a threat to other people, okay, in different ways. Yeah. As in, like, 
he they had different opinions on what was considered immoral and what was considered worthy of death. And yeah, and also what they considered as dangerous. But you've also got to remember, I'm not excusing Hookman. Oh, absolutely not. But or murder in general. His (laughs) views of morality are three hundred years old. Yeah. So the views of morality that were the norms have changed. So like. Okay, just because it's in the past doesn't make it acceptable, no. obviously. But it does shed some insight into why they would have different views of what was yeah. moral and immoral. Yeah. And so it is interesting because, yeah, absolutely the implication is the hookman goes to hell. But that the father goes to heaven. Just based on the imagery, yeah. Yeah. And so you're right. It's a very interesting conundrum, really. And I guess it's never resolved. So we just can headcanon that shit. Yeah. Well, and actually, here's another thing. The people who committed the murders on his behalf, are they condemned to hell? Because supernatural law would suggest yes. I don't, I don't know anything about supernatural law and who goes okay. to heaven versus who goes to hell. But, like, even based on, like, a, you know, basic Christian view of heaven and hell, like, you would... Thou shall not kill. They even would, quoted it this episode. <laughs> you would assume that they would be going to hell. Like, just based on basic... You know, murderers don't go to heaven, generally speaking. Like... It's certainly an interesting... Conundrum. An conundrum. interesting question to yeah. sort of like reflect upon. Maybe we'll start a poll. <laughs> Let us know on Twitter slash Tumblr, wherever we put the question. What you think? Did he go to heaven? Did he go to hell? Let's find out. <laughs> okay, moving on. I think I've got to do my PSA for the day before I forget. Ooh. So what do you think my PSA is this week? I, I know mean, you have a guess. You mentioned I, it earlier. I do. I mentioned it earlier. Ooh. I... Okay, so in the episode... They mention, or Dean sort of makes a joke out of like, I've learned you should always take your Christmas decorations down after New Year's. Yeah. And I live in a household that has had a Merry Christmas doormat since December 2020, and it is currently November 2021. We also have Christmas lights. Exactly. We've also had Christmas lights all over the front of our property. For the same amount of time. And I feel like maybe there's going to be a directly indirect PSA about me needing to get my shit together and rotating my seasonal decorations. No. I was not going to use my PSA to take a specific job at (laughs) Despite what Bethany would suggest, we are actually friends. (laughs) I'm not suggesting we're friends. I think it would be a perfectly valid criticism. That's why I was expecting it. I have nothing against seasonal decorations being left up year-round if they bring you joy. (laughs) I'm not a Grinch. It doesn't. Okay? It doesn't bring me joy per se. I'm just lazy. <laughs> no, not even close this week. Like, oh, you, okay. Like you know how some weeks I'm like, yeah, you're in the same like vein. You're Both. thinking about the same I'm ballpark. You're thinking about like the same scene that I derived my yes. like PSA from. But no, you, you're completely wrong. Okay. <laughs> okay. This week's PSA. Uh huh. Cybersecurity. Oh, it yeah, matters that's a great so much. PSA. I. Often make a joke out of my PSA segment. Yeah. <laughs> this week is not one of those occasions. Yeah. Everyone online should practice basic cybersecurity. Take necessary precautions yeah. and be safe. It's really easy to forget that sometimes online stuff is just as real as, you know, in-person stuff. Okay, moving on. This is a fun <laughs> podcast about my first time watching Supernatural. Speaking of security okay the basement like the external basement entrances so fucking creepy so weird we see them a couple of times we've seen yes. them already a few times in the se- in the series right i think uh, most prominently in faith actually also because yeah. of the basement that she has the altar set up in and also in scarecrow when um dean and i forget the girl's name are locked in the basement for the sacrifice Ah, yes, the niece. Yes, yes. Um, I don't remember her name, but the niece. Yeah, she had it on a necklace and it is not helping. No. (laughs) So, you know, they they have these. And I have to assume they're commonplace in the US, or at least in Canada where where it's shot, because I don't think I've ever, ever seen one here at all or in any media outside of the US. And can I just say thank God? Yeah, because it's so weird. They look creepy as shit. I like, and also they're never fucking locked. People just like in this episode, they just open them and just waltz on into your fucking basement. Do you not have an internal entrance to your basement? Does that not mean people could just get into your fucking house? 
I don't know. I've never had a basement. I'm so... Well, that's another thing. We like, my really... parents have a wine cellar, but that's a bit different. We don't really have basements. No. I can't think of a single house I've been in in my life that's had a basement. No, even my parents' like wine cellar is like... Their house is on like stilts. So it's like... Yeah. It's just under the house. It's not actually under the... Like, it's yeah. not really dug in. But like... Insane. Insane. I don't like it. It's creepy as hell. And like, they find a single fingernail. Like, one... I One. assume single, singular, what not the... like fingernails, plural. No, it's just one. Like, how do you spot that? How do you spot it? Different question to the question I have about that scene. The question I have about that scene is it implies like it's in the wall. Mm. So it suggests that she was scratching at the wall with enough ferocity that it's ripped off, I assume, an acrylic because it didn't look like a nail. Natural nail. nail. Oh, yeah. And that makes a lot more sense. Yes. Right? And that's how it gets lodged in the wall. So was he keeping her alive down there? But if she, he was keeping her alive down there, why would she scratch the wall and, and not, not at go the out door? Yeah. That's literally like... You could probably try and break through the wood. Like, it's it's only like a wood... Yeah, you could... I mean, if you're like in it's secure, a basement... Like, it's solid, but it's not like... There's all kinds of crap around. I'm sure you could find something to, like, use as a makeshift crowbar. Get yeah. yourself out of there. Like, I... I'm very confused by the whole makeup of that that scenario. Like, But also, like, he buried the body in the basement. Surely he would have read one of Tumblr's really informative posts about how to hide a body. Right? you got to... You, well, they got to be um, vertical. vertical. you got to bury a dead animal on, on top. top. Yeah. Yeah. Look, we know our shit. <laughs> this is the indication that we've been on Tumblr way too long. <laughs> but also, if you find that post, like, tag us in it. <laughs> I missed that post. How to bury a dead body post. I missed that post. Like, I used to see it all the time. Yeah, it's one of those ones that does the rounds every now and again. Yeah, and when I see it, like, it makes me feel like I'm 13 again. It's great. (laughs) Really throws you back in the deep end. Okay, moving on from the creepy basement. The Impala. Let's talk about the car for a minute. Ooh, I would love to. We don't talk about Baby very much. No, but also, like, they they follow a surprising amount of people in the Impala. Like... Well, yeah, it's their car. Yeah. (laughs) My issue with that is... It's a distinctive car. It's a very distinctive car, and it's also not a quiet car. Yeah, it's, it's a not car at all. that is not subtle. If that car it makes goes... a lot of noise, and it's really easy to spot because it's an unusual car. Like it's not yeah. like they would have been better in like I don't know a Honda Accord. <laughs> There's a joke about Sam wanting to get a Civic because <laughs> it's got better mileage. <laughs> But no, they would be better off in a Civic. It doesn't stick out because it's like a pretty generic, run-of-the-mill, everyday car. It doesn't make as much noise because it's a modern car and it has a better muffler. Like It has seatbelts. It has seatbelts, so it's safer in the long run. They may not have died when they got hit by the fucking, <laughs> fucking truck. Car. Okay, I have a question for you. I'm genuinely curious. Do you think it would be more or less suspicious if they followed people around in a van... Instead of the Impala. More suspicious. More suspicious to be in a van. Look, less noticeable if they're in a van. Okay. But more suspicious because, like, nothing good happens in a van. What if it was, like, a really, like, dated, like, what's the Impala from 1967? So what if it was, like, of, like, hippie 70s, like, you know, the one I'm thinking, like, that kind of van? The van is both more more noticeable and more suspicious. (laughs) Okay. so Because I'm just thinking also about, like, the noise factor of the Impala. Like, it's a loud-ass car. Like, you notice it if it's following you. You know what I mean? Like, so if it's, like, a modern, quiet van, it's, like, not... But if it's, like, a 70s van... Van that's making, like, a shit-ton of noise. But there's a notable exception to this. Mm -hmm. If it's, like, a 1970s combi van, not as suspicious (laughs) at all. Like, I'm thinking, like, a panel van. Sure. Okay, follow-up question. Um, I can't believe we've never we've never exploited this topic before. We've like barely talked about the car. So I think what's really interesting is that you you're a hundred percent correct. They do drive a very like identifiable car to the point where like you can usually tell when something is supernatural merch because it's the very iconic silhouette of the car. Apparently, and again, this is one of those things that I read like five years ago. So if you have other information, you think I'm wrong, please Should let I me know. Should I try and convince my best friend to find an Impala to get driven to a wedding in? <gasps> yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely we should. If my best friend at some point may listen to this, Ooh. I would be out. <laughs> if you know, if you're listening to this and you know that that's you, please know that is such a fun suggestion and it would look so good on your Instagram. Also, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> Also, congratulations. 
Okay, I'm pretty sure that in the initial draft, Kripke originally wanted them to drive a Mustang. But he had a neighbour who was really into, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Vintage. Vintage, yeah, like muscle cars. And so he asked him, like, what do you think? And the guy was like, no, 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 no. You don't want a Mustang. Like, everyone will say a Mustang. Go the Impala. It's more, like, specific. It's, like, sexier. Like, you definitely want the Impala. And so that's why it's an Impala instead of a Mustang. Also, their surname was going to be Smith, which is just, like, really? So basically what you're telling me is he was like, oh, I want it to be a Mustang. And the neighbor was like, nah, man, that's too generic a muscle car. That's the muscle car everyone thinks of when they think of a vintage muscle car. Exactly. Go for the Impala. It can become more iconic and more linked it's, to... It's, yeah. it's less iconic on its own, so you can really link it to your Yeah, show. right? So the neighbor was like a marketing genius, just casually. Yeah. <laughs> but like, yeah, I'm pretty sure, again, please, God, if I'm wrong and I sound like an idiot... Let me know, but I'm pretty sure I remember reading about that at some point. But I just thought it was a fun little tidbit to add to your growing collection of supernatural history. So, I think that's just about it from my tangents today. Do you have any last-minute tangents you would like to tack on the end of this episode? Yeah, probably, but also it's, we've been here we've for We've been far recording too long. for way too long <laughs> at this point. In the hopes of giving you anything coherent to listen to eventually. <laughs> I think we should move on. Like, yeah. Okay. I think we've talked about everything that needs to be talked we've about. done enough for today. In that case, Jamie, yeah. what would you rate this week's episode, Houses of the Holy, out of five? I came prepared. I rated it ahead of time. <gasps> Jamie, I prepared a guess for your PSA and you prepared a rating for me. I didn't prepare it's... my PSA, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're doing better than I am. <laughs> I was just going to say, God, it's almost like we've been doing this for over a season and a half now, but I guess... No. We're still... You remember the episode title. I did. Which is an accomplishment in and of itself. I did write it down. (laughs) Some behind the scenes magic for you But no, I actually rated this episode. Okay. I gave it a three and a half out of five. That's not bad. But after talking about it for like an hour and a half, I'm realizing that I enjoyed it more than I thought I did, so I might give it actually a four. Do you know what? I I might actually bump it up, because I actually really... Yeah, it's a good episode. And it, there are episodes where I've been like, oh yeah, I think that's worth like this much. And then we discuss it for an hour and a half. And I'm like, oh no, it was not worth that much. Like yeah. discussing it reveals all the problems. But like every time we kept it, like I was like, there's more depth here. Yeah. Like it, it gets better mm. by thinking about it. Which does not happen often no. with Supernatural. Either you think about it not at all or you think about it a lot. Uh <laughs> And in this instance, yeah, like, thinking about it, it's, it, it's got depth. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, it's a pretty, like, basic Supernatural episode. Like, it was fine. But, like, the more I, I'm like, oh, no, actually, we're like, we saw a lot of, like, depth from, like, Sam. Which Especially we haven't really gotten Sam. yet. It's almost like fan fiction. It progresses the plot in terms of the character development without actually progressing the plot of the plot. And it kind of does it sneakily as well. Yeah. Like, you don't realise how much more you're getting and then you sit down and you think about it and you're like holy shit there's like yeah way more there than i than i originally thought upon first watching it like yeah exactly it's so like nothing really happens in terms of like finding out any more information about like the plot of the yellow eyed demon or finding out about sam's destiny or finding out about any of that but you find out so much about how sam is feeling about that and how he is coping or rather not coping with that that it feels like a lot happens without actually much happening. Yeah. It's it's very good, yeah. I think, personally. Obviously, it's, you know, subjective, but I'm glad to know that you kind of agree. Yeah. Aw, look at us. Agreeing on Supernatural. It won't happen again, I assure you. <laughs> okay, cool. So, you gave it a four. Mm-hmm. Bumped it up from a 3.5. Very exciting. I'm glad you gave it a four, because when you said 3.5, I was like, that is... I was expecting a four. Yeah. So... Cool, good to know we're on the same same brain. My initial gut reaction was a three and a half. Yeah. But then Upon after reflection. Actually sort of digging through the content of this episode, realizing It's quite rich. There's quite a lot there. Like because yeah. that's the only thing for me. It felt like after first watching it, it felt really shallow. Where and you don't really understand how much interest it's added until you actually look back on it. Yeah, yeah. And you actually think about it again and go, actually 
that what seemed like like a really minor thing at the time, like Sam his daily prayers. Yeah. You actually think about that for more than two seconds, and you're like, "Holy shit!" What that says about him as a character is like a whole season's worth of development. Like it really in was. like two lines. And I think I didn't mention this while we were talking about it in the episode, but hearing you talk about it just now, it made me realize it's a very interesting decision that they made to have them all from the same church. Like because these people were sort of masquerading themselves as people of faith, yeah, and people of strong morals and like. The reality is, I think the quote was something along the lines of um, rotten to their foundation. Like, and yes. Then it was more so, literal. To be fair, that was literally because like she was in the basement. Bodies in the basement. Yeah. But, you know, I think that is a very interesting take on this concept of not like moral superiority, but almost in a sense like this idea that these people, this group has these, you know, the commandments, you know, that you live yeah. by and these things. And they're like blatantly going against them in their daily lives, but they're still rocking up to church every Sunday. Yeah. You know, and I think that is a very interesting sort of... The fundamental hypocrisy yeah. of... And again, talking about cognitive dissonance, you yeah. know, Sam having this idea of who he is and then this idea of the him that he shows versus the him that he has, internally. like, internally. Yeah. yeah. Who he believes himself to be versus who he is. Yeah. And who other people perceive him to be. We said we were done. <laughs> we did. I'm so sorry. So we're giving it a four. Fantastic. The next episode is called Born Under a Bad Sign. Do you have any thoughts, predictions, hopes, dreams, fears, etc.? Born under a bad sign. Maybe like babies are dying. Like born under like the moon or something and it's a blood moon or something. I thought you were going to have like an astrology take. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I guess moons. That's yeah. astrology. I feel like astrology is like, I, I feel like they would perceive astrology like the show Dean would 100% make fun of astrology the, the the showrunners would deem astrology as beneath them like as in like yeah they would make a it's joke a girly out of thing like yeah it's the sexism you're right you're right so I, I don't think they're going to go anything astrology with it but like I certainly think it's going to be something that's going to advance the main plot okay. because born under a bad sign they were all murdered on their like sixth month birthday oh, okay so you're tying like, it into like, like the special children like plot? the like they are babies when they are so born babies like i'm, I'm thinking it's gonna underneath the burning mother in, yeah i think it's gonna tie into there and also it might tie into like maybe these children are psychic because they were born at a specific time of the year yeah that's or a under because they're the same age yeah yeah or under a specific like Constellation sort of... sounds like too much like astrology, <laughs> astrology, but yeah, but you know, like maybe it was like a blood moon or some fucking shit like that. Yeah. You know, like you know how they have like the once in a blue moon sort yeah. of like maybe it's some sort of. I mean, I guess if you're looking at like a séance, like you know, there are definitely components of witchcraft where you have to do certain things at certain like yeah. astrologically significant periods. Like you have the solstices, yeah. or you have you know the full moon or the waxing moon, and, and these yeah. things. So. Potentially, yeah. I mean, I don't think it's far-fetched. But you think it's something to do with forwarding the plot of the special children, yes. the yellow-eyed demon. Okay, cool. I think that's just about it for today. Sorry, everyone. I feel like this is probably going to be a long one. Maybe I don't need to apologise for that. Maybe you like it. Who knows? Let us know. Do you prefer when we crap on for longer or do you prefer short and Tell sweet? us the absolute limit of how long you were willing to listen to us. <laughs> yeah, like where? what is your limit? If you saw us post an episode that was like... 90 minutes long, would you bother clicking on it or would you just give up? <laughs> okay, so if that is all, yeah, wonderful. All done. I think that if you wanted to hit up Jamie, in case you haven't got enough of us in this uh, last however long you've been listening, um, you can head over to Twitter at DriverPixPod and I reckon you should send her a DM, start a thread, do whatever you want to do. Um, what do you think Sarah Gamble's long con really was? Jamie clearly has some opinions. Whether I or think not she was angels. Whether I or not she was she planning on angels. straight up murdering Eric Kripke, uh, who knows? <laughs> Let's find out on Twitter. But if you want to interact with Bethany, she's a little more normal. You can find her over on the Tumblr <laughs> at Driver Picks the Podcast. I think you should just tell her what cars would have been more practical for the brothers. Like, <laughs> if you were getting tailed by a car, what's the least suspicious car to get tailed by? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, what car are you just straight up not going to notice if it's following you? I think that I would be actually very interested to hear people's opinions on that because I think it would vary depending very much on like... Where you live? Yeah, location. But also like 
personal experience. Like, for instance, we don't have that many motorbikes locally. If I saw a motorbike behind me, I'd be like, that's weird. Like, I'd notice a motorbike. But if you're from a place in the world where motorbikes are very common, you don't look at me. I probably wouldn't that. be that surprised. I'd probably look in my rearview mirror and be my fucking dad. Like, <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, thank you so, so much for listening. I hope you're enjoying and hopefully we'll have you back next week. Bye. See you next week. Bye.